This is Toastcaster, your communication leadership and learning lab, with your host, Greg Gazin. Episode 121, Building Future Seniors, Taking Ownership of Our Aging Society, with our guest, Angela Ostafachuk. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest edition of Toastcaster, your communication, leadership, and learning lab. We have another exciting episode for you. On the line, we have Angela Ostafachuk. She's from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. She's an educator, consultant, curriculum developer, writer, photographer, Toastmaster, and world traveler. And she's passionate about all of the above. In a moment, Angela will tell us a little bit about herself. But in the meantime, Angela, welcome to the program. Thanks, Greg. Thank you for having me on the program. Now, Angela, you are a, we'll call you a mid-range millennial, right? Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the point in your life where you're, you know, you're building your career, thinking of the future, but you're not necessarily thinking about retirement or thinking about seniors. Yet you recently did a Pecha Kucha presentation in Edmonton entitled future seniors. What's that all about? Why did you do that? And, and why is it important to you? Well, as you you might know, our population is aging very rapidly. The baby boomers, this the people that were born between maybe 1945 to 1960 are the largest group of people. And they're, those, they're the seniors right now. So I think right now we need to focus on what it's going to be like as a senior, not only right now, but later on as well, because after the baby boomers die off, the millennials are the largest group of seniors that will be on this planet. Why is it important to you, though? Why is it important to me? Well, my parents are aging, and I want to make sure that they're protected. I also want to make sure that we have resources in place for us later on. And perhaps that's a little bit selfish for me to say, but if we start being proactive now will be okay later on. It's going to take many, many years to implement things because we haven't been aging like this within our, our time frame, right? So before, maybe about 100 years ago, we lived until the age of 50, but now we're living up to the age of 70, 80, 90, even, even 100. So things are shifting rapidly. Yes, and the population is shifting. I was actually just reading some recent statistics from Statistics Canada, and in 1986... There were twice as many kids as seniors. We'll define kids or children as 14 and under. Okay. Yet, just three years ago, the number of seniors has actually surpassed the number of children. So we're really seeing a rapidly aging population. We're seeing a big shift for sure. And because we're not having as many kids as we were before as well, things are definitely changing. Now, we're seeing this in Canada, yet I was also looking at another statistic that Canada actually has the second lowest proportion of seniors in the G7 countries at 17%. Mm -hmm. And Japan is at 28%. So this is not just something that's happening in Canada. This is something that's absolutely, that's actually global, right? Absolutely. And we see countries like Germany, Japan, uh, US as well. Everybody has a large population of seniors and we haven't really started thinking about it. And now it's kind of too late right now. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about your project. What are you currently working on with respect to seniors? So I'm currently working on two different projects. I split it between the millennials and I guess the baby boomers and their counterparts as well. I'm working on one called the Future Senior to help millennials and younger people prepare to age properly and to put all the steps they need to put into place right now so they can worry less later on. And then Smart Strong Senior is about building community 
teaching seniors, for example, about scams or giving them workout videos, like just building better things for seniors because there's not a lot out there for them. Okay. Are these working, are these two groups sort of working in conjunction with each other? Are they working together? They're kind of working in tandem. Yeah. So what we can do for one group, we can also do for the other group a lot of the times. Not everything can be done for both groups, but they kind of do work together. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes absolute sense. I think in terms of offering some perspective to our listeners, your presentation that you did, and it's interesting because it was only seven and a half minutes, yet it was actually quite powerful and there was a lot of content in there. And it was called Future Seniors. And in this session, you had an acronym that you called IREAD. And I thought perhaps to give some context to our listeners, we can maybe just go through the acronym and share a little bit. I think that would really put it into perspective. So the, the IREAD stands for Involve Resources, Equality, Ask, and Design. Perfect, yeah. Let's start with Involve. What, what is that all about? Involve means getting involved within the senior community. And that means millennials, that means younger people, that means bringing children to work with seniors and getting people to understand what being a senior is like. So the more we are involved, the more intergenerational, I guess, if you want to use that term, the better we're going to be as a planet. A lot of communities have this in Asia. Seniors are very much integrated into society, but in North America, we're kind of separated I rarely see seniors, and I live right behind a senior's home. It's kind of strange. Interesting. So are you saying that the seniors live with their families, like if we're looking at some of the other countries? Is that what you're referring to? Absolutely. Seniors live within their families, and they're a very a vital part of the community. They're very important. But here, we don't live with our families a lot of the time. And we tend to put seniors into homes, or we tend to leave them by themselves, which is a problem. Now, in your presentation with respect to being involved, you said when you pay attention to all walks of life, you build a stronger community. So what did you mean by that? When we pay attention, it doesn't matter if we're one or 101. If we pay attention to the needs and wants of each group and try and integrate them, we become stronger. We can't just leave a certain group of people out like we are with the seniors. We're leaving the seniors out they are a huge, huge part of the population. And that effect trickles down later on because when we leave seniors out, younger generations don't get to see what it's like to age, what it's like to grow old, what it's like to be a senior. And we're kind of in the dark and it just is continuing. It's cyclical. Things don't get any better. Yeah, it's probably something the furthest from their mind. And It is. <laughs> when you talk about volunteering, you talk about spending time in the community. What are some of the things that volunteers could do? Well, there's so many things. I sit on a board for Strathcona Seniors Association, which is one thing people can do when you get a little bit older. I'm probably one of the youngest members there, but it works out really well. You can go in and volunteer. You can go in, if you're a teacher, you can bring your class in to maybe read with the seniors. You can have a pen pal project. You can get seniors to teach classes. So for example, cooking or knitting or sewing, maybe skills that we don't traditionally use anymore and to teach those to pass on to the next generation. There's so much integration that we can do that we're not doing. Things that you won't find on Google or on YouTube, I guess, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And even if you can find them, it's it's really, it's a win-win situation when we actually have live classes with the seniors, right? 
they feel good and the younger generation is learning really critical knowledge. You know, there's nothing like face-to-face, right? Absolutely. So that's involved. So resources, what types of resources are we talking about? I think we don't know how to age properly. So school doesn't really prepare us on how to be a grown-up and work doesn't really teach us on how to be a senior later on. So we need better resources to know what it's like to age. I've talked to many seniors who are in seniors' homes, and they said they were not prepared at all for what was to come. That's a really sad statement to make, but it's really hard. Um, We also need more funding into stuff like senior centers or stuff that will be hubs for people to meet because if people are just staying at home, it's really unhealthy. Loneliness is, is a big killer. Isolation kills people. Yeah. These senior centers, is there sort of a misconception about them? I think for the senior centers, not everybody wants to go. A lot of the people that are in there, because I think for some senior centers, you can start when you're 45 maybe, but a lot of people don't see themselves as a senior at that point. And even I know my parents who are in their 60s, they won't go because they're a lot of the seniors are in their 90s. So it's kind of like you have baby senior and senior senior. So it's a huge age range with even within that community that not everybody's tapping into or they don't feel comfortable being around. That word senior is kind of scary, right? You go into McDonald's and they go, would you like a senior's coffee? And you go, do I really look that old? It's true, but I will take the senior's coffee anytime. (laughs) (laughs) My cheap date. (laughs) I know my late dad, he volunteered and he also went to a senior center. In fact, he played baseball or softball. Oh, excellent. On a senior's team. And he was not necessarily, in fact, if I'm not mistaken, I don't even think he was 65 when he first joined. I think he was, he was probably one of the younger people. I think maybe there's a stigma attached to it. People figure, oh, I'm too young to go. Absolutely. There is a huge stigma. We are such an anti-aging society. We're not pro-aging. So if you're tapping into places like the senior center, it's people might feel badly about themselves, which is such a dumb thing. So instead of associating aging with wisdom, they look at it as, okay, we're getting old and dilapidated and the bones are going to start hurting, right? Absolutely. And when we think about seniors, we think about Grandpa Simpson, right? We don't see any <laughs> positive things about seniors on the news or on TV. We only see Grandpa Simpson who's like senile and old and nobody wants to listen to him because he talks all the time. That's the general stereotypical idea we have. And that is totally not the case when you actually talk to seniors. I love Grandpa Simpson. He tells it like so it is. I. He's my favorite, <laughs> but it's not a true representation of an aging population. Excellent. So there's a number of resources available. And hey, you know what? Don't rule out senior centers regardless as to, to what age. If you don't want to participate, you feel you might be too young, maybe you can just volunteer there. Absolutely. And, and when it comes to resources as well, like better, more written stuff, more what it's like to move into a senior's home or what to expect as you age. There's still not a lot of stuff out there because aging is still a fairly new thing in our world. Now that leads us nicely into, you've already sort of touched upon a couple of the others, but that leads us nicely into equality. When we think about our world, unfortunately, not all of us are on the same life. Life is not equal. And that's, that goes the same with senior citizens as well. When we think about seniors, a lot of them are poor. Or when we talk about equality amongst the seniors, uh, the LGBTQT2 spirit 
community is suffering because they're not on equal footing with other groups of seniors or same with minorities, right? Not everybody is on equal footing. Not everybody is going to have the exact same things. Not everybody's going to have the same experience as being a senior. It's not a happy thing for a lot of seniors. Hmm. And we need to make sure we level that playing field so that everybody is equal. I read an article today in Time that was saying that seniors don't get enough to eat. I think 8% in the States are food scarce, and that is totally unacceptable. What do you think we could do about it? We need to put more money in. The government needs to put more money into making things more of a level playing field, I think, for seniors, because not everybody is going to be able to have, a, especially the millennials, not everybody's going to have that pension or have savings later on. So we're going to have a lot more issues with seniorhood. The LGBTQT might not be the issue as it is now, but we're going to have a lot of issues with poverty and housing and stuff like that. And not everybody's going to be equal. Yeah, you wouldn't necessarily think there would be an equality issue with seniors, but you you really make a good point. The next one would be ask. And I think you've already touched upon it, but by all means, I'm asking you, what does the ask <laughs> portion of the acronym mean? The A. When we talk about ask, we need to ask more questions. I think everybody should be asking a million questions every single day. We need to think like three-year-olds and just keep going, why, why, why? We don't tend to ask a lot of questions. And as we age or when we're dealing with our parents or an aging population, we don't ask any questions. And that is seriously harming everything. Okay, what kind of questions could people ask? Questions, for example... I think we need to all ask ourselves is what does aging look like to me? What am I going to be like as a senior or what are my goals as a senior? And as we age, we can contribute to that or we can add to that and say, for example, what, how can I be validated or how are some of the things, how can I help the community as a senior? Um, governments can ask more questions such as how are how are our senior populations doing? How are they flourishing instead of just getting swept under the rug? I know in one of your YouTube videos where you're introducing some of the things that you were doing, you were interviewing some, I wouldn't even say they're millennials. They were probably Generation Zs <laughs> or the iGen. They are, yeah. <laughs> you were asking them questions like, what's it like to be a senior? A lot of kids don't. No. And I think the only kids that work with the seniors, to be honest, are future medical students. So it's kind of <laughs> we don't have the same insight as kids from other countries where they grow up with an aging population. We don't see enough seniors in our society. OK. Now, of course, the YouTube video was quite short and the clips were sort of cut together. Mm -hmm. What were some of the things that were there some aha moments or some eye opening moments for the people that you were speaking with when you were asking them those questions? I think the biggest thing is when we are talking about what is it going to be like for them as a senior. Again, we don't think that far in advance and we tend not to, a lot of us don't think past tomorrow. So that's kind of a big problem when we're not thinking far into the future. I, I can see why younger generation, because they have so much to worry about. And so do you, so do I. But it's important to start planning. Right. I have to go to school next week. I got to exactly. buy some clothes. I have to wash my hair. I have to do all kinds of things like that, I suppose. Exactly. Right. My Instagram and Snapchat is blowing up, right? Like there's just so many things that kids have to worry about that. But same with adults as well, right? It's just not on their mind about what it's like to grow older. 
I mean, to be fair, I mean, the the Gen Ys and the Gen Zs, I mean, there's lots of seriousness there as well. I mean, I'm just sort of mm-hmm. making light of it. Obviously, what's important to someone who is, you know, in the 18 to 23 category, their priorities and their thoughts patterns and what's important to them would be very different. Mm-hmm. And they're probably not thinking that far ahead. Oh, absolutely not. Like, I mean, most people, I think, aren't even thinking about retirement or putting away money, right? It's just kind of just basic day-to-day stuff where a lot of us are just trying to survive. And that's not, that's a big problem. Absolutely. I mean, we're in such a fast-paced society where things change in an instant, Mm -hmm. in a nanosecond. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's lots of things on people's minds. So ask lots of questions. That's really a good thing. And then also encourage people to ask questions and encouraging them the fact that there's no such thing as a silly question. You know, what's it like to be a senior? Someone would say, well, someone may, yeah, asking someone what's it like to be a senior, it sounds sort of one of those man on the street or person on the street interviews, but it's really a serious question. It really is. And because each generation is different as well, like it's, it's so different from person to person. I've talked to 91-year-olds who love being a senior, and I've talked to 65-year-olds who hate being a senior, and vice versa, right? So it's so different for everybody. Yeah, thinking back to when I was probably in my 20s, I mean, I think the things that were probably important to me were, you know, getting a good job and getting a promotion and taking care of things and paying bills and, I don't know, getting the car fixed, things like that. And, And so they should be, right? Those are all important things that people need to do, but it leaves us a lot less time or I think maybe fewer thoughts, fewer thinking space, less thinking space to think about other things, to think about the future, right? I mean, we're not saying to get people obsessed with it, perhaps maybe just plant a little bit of a seed. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can even start with small children, right? Taking them to seniors' homes, participating in activities or having daycares integrated into seniors' homes. The more we can do, the more seeds we can plant, the better, the stronger the trees are going to grow. I'm also thinking about, you know, as you get older, the, the aches and pains. I was, uh, I was hit by a car when I was in oh my, my late teens. And I remember my doctor saying, not that I remember specifically, but I remember the doctors talking about, you know, making sure you do your physiotherapy, making sure you do this, making sure yes. you do that. Once I started to feel better, it's no big deal. But right. now I'm actually suffering that pain. So when I see anybody getting hurt or injured or, or something broken, I say, make sure that you do the proper rehabilitation and you keep working it because trust me, later on in life, <laughs> you're going to be suffering. Absolutely. And it goes the same for anything, right? It's being like, maybe you weren't, you were proactive to a point, but being proactive the whole time, like even just exercising or eating properly, that is going to pay off later on. And you're going to have a healthier senior population as well. That's right. Some of that you just can't take back and you can't fix once it's too late. Yeah, absolutely. You can't turn back the clock. You can get have a month. You can always make money, but you can't turn back time. There you go. And, and the final element of the acronym I read is the D, design. Tell us what you were thinking with respect to that. Design falls into so many different things from the way we design our cities to the way we design our clothing or our products. But when I think of design, the thing that comes to most for me is universal design. So designing things that allow everyone to use them and not just certain groups of people. Last week, I was in a community meeting with somebody who was uh, blind, I guess. I'm not sure how we wanted to identify us, but I will say blind. And he was saying we need to design cities that 
include them as opposed to just including sighted people. So when we talk about design, we, we need to talk about designing cities for seniors because our senior population is here to stay and it's just going to keep going and going and going. What specifically we're thinking about within the cities? I mean, obviously the roads, but is there anything else? So not necessarily roads are good, but when we talk about design, so for example, public transit, how many people or how many seniors have to give up their license once they turn 75, right? And when we look at the trends, millennials don't have cars anymore. So we need better public transit or things that can we can get around. We need things that are more closely packed as well, as opposed to spreading everything out in suburbia. So the more spread out we are, the harder it is. And if you're a senior that lives out in the suburbs, it's very difficult to connect with the community. And obviously the importance of doing it now is not only for the people who are aging now, but for everybody later on, right? Absolutely. And when we go to other cities, like, so I used to live in Asia, a lot of the cities are very densely packed, but it's really good for the seniors because they have access to everything and they're able to be around their peers and they're able to be around other people when, because we're so isolated here and the winters are so terrible in Edmonton, it provides a kind of a terrible thing that, that will happen for many people. Yeah. Interesting. And we think sometimes when we think about design, we think about industrial design and we think about how, how pretty and how cool it looks, right? You know, the i the iPod, the iPad, the, the iPhone, et cetera. Right. But sometimes we don't necessarily think of the future, like design for the future. Absolutely. And I think we're starting to, like, I have to say the iPad is actually really good. I know seniors that have it and it's really user friendly, right? Or stuff with, I think it's the OXO can openers and stuff that people can use with arthritis. There are things being designed with everybody in mind, but we need to have more of that stuff and we need to make it look nice. So Apple does a great job of designing products and they're meant for everybody. But a lot of the stuff that's aimed at seniors or designed for seniors is just so ugly. It's terrible. Right. Make it simple. Like you said earlier, one button. Well, sometimes one button isn't going to do it. Can you design something that maybe has three buttons instead of 24 buttons? That's going to be useful and practical. Absolutely. Or like when we talk about even companionship for seniors, I've seen like the fake cats and the fake seal. So Paro, it's very strange. I, I don't think it's the best way to go. It's very creepy, these little animals that are robotic. <laughs> well, they're pretty popular at some of the electronic shows, right? <laughs> they are, and I can see why, but we need more stuff coming out. I don't think I'd want a relative to just sit there petting a, a, an artificial cat. It's kind of weird. Speaking of creepy and weird, in your session, you also referred to something called a perpetual vampire. What's that about? <laughs> We, we are trying to be perpetual vampires. We are really, really anti-aging. Like, I don't know if you looked at the beauty industry, but the goal is to keep people young forever. And this summer, we even are starting, we saw stuff like blood transfusions. So injecting younger people's blood into other older people's bodies to stay younger. We're, we're really focusing on being anti-aging instead of pro-aging and being happy and healthy with the fact that eventually we are going to grow older no matter what we do, and we're going to die. It's just biology. Well, Andrew, I think you've given us some really interesting food for thought with respect to seniors, with respect to aging, and that it's an important topic regardless as to what age you actually are. 
I'm just wondering, do you feel that there's going to be a shift from anti-aging to pro-aging? I think we're starting to see a very subtle shift. And when we see it, we see in advertising, for example, we're including more seniors, we're including more diversity for our aging. And I, there's a lot of pioneers as well that are seniors. So, for example, when you look on Instagram, there's a lot of like older fashion bloggers, which is really cool to see. We need a lot more. So we need to see more, for example, senior entrepreneurs and senior, maybe senior leaders. I mean, most people are, that are in leadership are seniors, mind you, but we tend to not listen to them. For example, Trump is 70, I think, 71, 70. And we tend to, again, portray him as like a crazy old man, which is maybe some truth there. <laughs> but, but I think there is a, becoming a shift. And I think the baby boomers are driving it, but the millennials will, are more likely to push it forward because we're kind of the generation that took hold of everything. And eventually, I think we're going to eventually take care of hold of seniorhood. Hopefully. I, I don't know how a lot of people feel about aging, though. I think it's not. A lot of people are having issues with growing older. Angela, what would you suggest people do if they were interested in becoming leaders in their communities with respect to seniors? I mean, regardless as to how old they are, regardless as to what generation, what is something that they could do or perhaps where could they start? I would say start within the senior communities or go and volunteer at a senior's home. I think we have to start from the bottom up. So maybe volunteer, but also start talking about it, right? If you have grandparents that are still alive, go and spend time with them. Go and spend time with your aging parents. Go and look at books or resources that are available and maybe think, how can we change this or how can we make things better? Everything starts at the very bottom, right? Nothing amazing is going to happen overnight. But the more we start just talking to seniors, integrating them, integrating them into the community leagues, integrating them into our daily life, and just making sure they're more welcome into this population, things are going to be better. Ask questions and have them share their stories. I'm sure they have some incredible, incredible stories. Yeah. I will put the link to your short Pecha Kucha video in the show notes. But in the meantime, if somebody wants to reach you, where could they find you? Thank you. They can contact me, I guess, at smartstrongsenior at gmail.com or thefuturesenior at gmail.com. That's probably, that's probably the easiest place right now. Currently, we're in the process of setting everything up. Things should be up and running by September or October of this year. So if you are looking for more information, just keep your eyes peeled out for a smart, strong senior and the future senior. So I guess we caught you a little early in the game, but we thought it would be an important message to share. Angela Stafachuk, thank you very much for being on the program. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Greg. It's always nice to talk to you. Once again, this is Greg Gazin. We appreciate you tuning in. Now, I'm not sure how you joined us, whether you joined us through directly through Toastcaster.com or iTunes, but either way, you can pick up the podcasts there. If you really enjoyed the podcast, we'd really appreciate if you took a moment to leave us some feedback on iTunes because it really helps with our ratings. Plus, also feel free to drop us a line. Tell us what types of things you're interested in, what your Toastmaster specialty is, or what kinds of things you like to speak about. And perhaps maybe we'll even have you on the show. This is Greg Gazin. Till the next time. This episode was sponsored by Corey Outsmarts the Butterflies. 
a new book by Greg Gazin, geared to ages 8 to 80. Whether you want to improve your speaking skills or build your confidence, this short read is suitable for all ages. It's available at outsmartingthebutterflies.com.